Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, it's Latif from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. From WNYC Studios, I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my Daily Politics Podcast. It's Friday, February 24th. And yes, it's Friday, the last day of the work week. But imagine for a moment if Friday was actually the first day of the weekend. That the work week was Monday through Thursday. The five-day work week, you know, is not a natural phenomenon, right? Like there are 24 hours in a day, that's a natural phenomenon. Or 365 days in a trip around the sun, the five-day week is something man-made. It's a decision that human beings with the power to decide have made. So they tried an experiment recently in the UK. 61 businesses of various kinds tried out a four-day work week. And according to the Wall Street Journal, the Wall Street Journal, no less, a large majority of the companies in the trial have decided to make it permanent. The headline in the journal reads, after testing four-day week, companies don't want to stop. Let's find out more and see how applicable this might be to workplaces you know and on how big a scale. We have two very relevant guests Vanessa Formans, the Wall Street Journal reporter who wrote the article I just cited, and Neve Brideson Hubbard, a PhD candidate in sociology at the University of Cambridge, one of the researchers who conducted the study in the UK. So Neve and Vanessa, thanks for coming on for this. Welcome to WNYC. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, real pleasure to be here. Neve, what was the range of businesses that tried out a four-day work week? First of all, what kinds of sectors were they from? So it was a real variety of organizations. We had some professional service firms, marketing, advertising agencies, but also organizations that were charities in the hospitality sectors and education. There were also quite a range of business sizes. Our largest one was over a thousand people and our smallest one was just three. Um, I see that you basically had only one requirement, maintain the pay of the workers at 100% of what they had been getting before. Other than that, they could implement the four-day week in different ways, Fridays off, staggered shifts, other models. Can you describe a few of the different styles of doing that? Yeah, absolutely. So as you say, the only thing that all of them had to do was implement a genuine working time reduction for no loss in pay. And how they went about it was up to that organization. Some organizations that really valued collaboration, for example, wanted everyone in for the same four days, Monday through Friday, Monday through Thursday was the most common choice. Whereas other organizations that needed to have a five-day presence, for example, they were delivering client services, would have their days off on a rotor. Um, in some organizations, there was a really decentralized model where maybe the head office would work Monday through Thursday, but people in the warehouse might work five shorter days. So it was really up to the business to choose what they thought would work best for them. And before we bring in Vanessa with some perspective, did the number of hours per week get reduced at these companies in all cases, or was it the same number of hours fit into four longer days? No, absolutely not. The real goal was a genuine time reduction. And based on the hours that were reported to us, all organizations did manage to achieve that. 
So it was more or less a 32-hour week on average rather than 40, more or less. Is that the, the usual comparison? Uh, around those numbers, yes. We didn't quite see a full eight-hour reduction, but it was close to that. All right. Vanessa, your article about this in the Wall Street Journal, as I mentioned, is called After Testing Four-Day Week, Companies Don't Want to Stop. And that refers to the employers, not the employees. How many of these 61 companies have decided to continue the four-day week now that the study is over? Well, more than it looks like more than 90% want to continue it. Uh, not all 90% said that they are going to make this permanent, but they want to keep trying it out for a while. But um, at least 18 of the companies say they do want to make it a permanent way that they work. So that's that's a really interesting sign. So that's 18 of the 61 going to make it permanent. Almost all the rest um, going to at least keep the experiment going for a while to see if they want to make it permanent, permanent. What do they like most about it from the employer's perspective? Well, I, you know, first of all, they like the fact that for empl their employees, um, that, that there was less stress among the majority of them. There was less burnout. Or employees reported having more time to fit the rest of their lives into their week. Um, but, you know, there's a business incentive for the employers, too, and that is – uh, they 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 are interested first of all in in terms of looking at what this could do for them in terms of productivity. Um, they're also interested in, in what this could mean as a recruiting and retention tool, um, because um, we all know we've been in a very hot labor market for a while now, um, and even with the potential of a, a, a recession looming. There are a lot of reasons to suggest that we are going to still see labor shortages in the market and, and employers are going to continue to have to compete for talent. So this might be a way some companies are looking to see whether they can compete on this front too, just as a lot of employers are offering remote work as a way to entice employ, uh, prospective employees. Um, some are looking at this as well. Do the companies make any more or less money? Uh, I think Neve could probably answer this a little bit more specifically, but uh, they did measure revenue. Um, from the beginning of the six-month trial to the end of it, there was an average 1% increase in revenue. And then when the companies on the whole compared what their revenue looked like for the trial period to a comparable period, um, in the last, say, a year ago, the average was a 35% increase. Obviously, there's a lot that goes into, <laughs> into revenue growth, and we are living mm -hmm. in turbulent business times, but, but um, it's, it's an interesting observation. Neve, want to continue on that, whether the company's made any more or less money? And I think Vanessa summarized the main point there, but there were also other kind of really strong key business metrics that improved for companies during the trial, including the reduction in the number of sick days, which fell by 65% relative to the previous comparison period, the six months of 2020-21. Um, the other thing that might play into the kind of retention of revenue is that the number of resignations in these organizations fell by 57%. So rather than having to fund more recruitment, more training, organizations would be able to hold better onto their staff and not having to expend on new employees. Neve, from the workers' perspective, presumably they would overwhelmingly like the change as well. But the numbers I'm seeing 
from your executive summary are a little more complicated than that. Around 40% of the workers said they were less stressed than before, better mental health. That's a lot, 40%. But 50% said no change. What does that result tell you? I think it's a reflection of this change being a trial and only running for six months so far. Um, Beginning the pilot, there was a big reorganization process within organizations, and there was a lot of additional work done to make sure that this four-day week pilot was possible. And I think perhaps some of the reasons why we haven't seen such a big shift towards people feeling less stressed is that firstly, over the six months, there hasn't really been a chance for that to set in. But also, this is novel, this is new, and changes always bring with them stresses. And I think it will take a while for those to be smoothed out over time. Did you find differences for the workers along income or gender or other demographic lines? Like if women do most of the childcare and other domestic work at home still, in addition to their workforce jobs, did they report more mental health benefits than men? Did they just wind up doing more childcare, their other job, and their mental health was about the same or anything along those lines? Yeah, absolutely. So we did all of this analysis divided along gender lines. And one of the things that we saw was that the reporting around a share of domestic responsibilities wasn't changing between men and women, that stayed equal. One of the interesting things was that in regards to who was doing more childcare, the amount of childcare, additional childcare that men were doing when they moved to the four day week relative to women was almost double. So we're seeing a bit of a shift in a gender division of standard household labor tasks. It's quite exciting. Quite exciting. Vanessa, uh, do you want to continue on that? Did you look at that at all for your article? And, and since you are Deputy Bureau Chief of the Wall Street Journal's Careers and Workplaces team, if I've got your title right, um, this would have a lot of implications for the kinds of things you cover. Yes, yeah. No, I, I thought that was an extremely um, fascinating <laughs> finding um, because, well, I've covered for a while the, um, um, the role of women in the workplace, um, how the uh, division of labor at home influences careers in the workplace. Um, it, it, it really struck me that, uh, you know, you didn't see so much of a change in household, the, the division of household duties, which suggests to me that um, that's something that's probably much harder to change at home than, <laughs> than perhaps it is at work. And anything along income lines, Neve? Lower income workers versus um, higher income workers? Because Vanessa's article does say, or no, I think it was in a different article that I read, sorry, that did say that uh, this might be easier to implement, implement in elite sectors like tech and finance. And so none of the analysis we did was broken down along income lines. Generally, people don't like reporting their income in these sorts of studies, particularly in the UK. Mm. It tends to be very patchy data. Um, however, I would agree with your point that in organizations where people are receiving sufficient income, time comes with more of a premium. And I would imagine that for some people that actually you see perhaps some of the benefits you could see from the four-day week would come from an increase in salary. Whereas once you pass the salary threshold, actually a lot of those benefits come from getting time back and being able to have better work-life balance. 
And let's take a call from John in New Hyde Park. John, you're on WNYC. Thanks for calling in. Hi, Brian. How are you? Good, thanks. Thank you. Um, I I would say, um, so in my organization and all past organizations, we've never worked the four-day week. But I will say, as a head of HR, we are very consciously aware of the, the needs of the candidate right now and how flexibility and the ability for people to have that um, four-day work week or the remote status thing, you know, that was a challenge for me to get leaders to do that in the past. The pandemic has actually really helped leaders uh, give a little on that. And the point I think actually heard you guys may have made it already, but to me, it always comes down to leaders leading. If, if I'm clear about the work and I am clear about the deadlines and the, and the amount of work doesn't have to shift, I don't think corporations will go for that. But the concept of leaders making it clear about what's expected and when, um, whether it's done in four days or from home on Fridays or whatever, like that, that aspect is a part of the future, I think, that it will take for companies to attract and retain the best talent. Yeah, interesting. As I said before the break, um, my screener identified you uh, as you described yourself to them as chief people officer for a large luxury retail brand. And you said, obviously, the stores can't do that the four hour days. um, uh, Sorry, the four day weeks with the the same pay people are getting for five day weeks. Is Is it different? I don't know if you want to mention the brand you work for. You can if you want to. You don't have to. Would it be different at the brand than at the stores? It often very much is, and and I think it's also, I think the the challenge is with the stores, and you have commission environments. It's it's almost I think that's one of the areas where I think the employee would feel it could almost challenge their ability to earn with the fewer days. So that's the reason I I said what I said around it's harder. I'm not saying it's impossible, but. But uh, they'd have to shift their thinking around how do I uh, sell not through people who walk in but build my client base and and make sure I'm contacting those people within the window that I'm actually working. So the reason I said that was it's it's just all things are always more challenging in the field because you are dealing with so many more people and they're customer facing and we have to have the coverage in the stores. So. In that way, maybe we're like hospitals where we, we think about, you know, employee to customer ratios and so on. But uh, I think the same rules apply, though. If the leaders of the business can find that they can continue to earn and sell and perform and run their businesses in, 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 in a store and keep the lights on, then they'd be open to it if it attracted better people. Can I ask from your experience in your sector of the economy, if you think changes in people's mindsets during the pandemic um, are affecting how much this kind of thing would be pop, uh, possible or how difficult it is for your company or companies you work with to retain people? Oh, my, the, the pandemic, with all the many, many downsides, it, it, is, it was and is now a game changer. We, we absolutely need to talk about hours and flexibility and remote this and hybrid that so much more than we ever did before. And as I started the conversation, leaders that I would struggle to get them to budge at all, like you know, CEO level people who would just say, if you're not here, you're not working. That whole mind shift has shifted, I think, in a better way where 
Um, I look at my own team, which happens to be largely made up of younger female um, leaders who have families and are managing their home and work life, and they they are they are people I would never want to lose. And I know that the flexibility and the work from home and the days off without micromanagement is life changing for them to continue to do the the work that they want to do at home with their families and and the work is not suffering at least in 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 my person from my john thank you so much for your call we really appreciate it um vanessa for you on the careers and workplaces beat at the wall street journal how much change are we still seeing sort of workplace cultural change from the pandemic uh, well, first of all, I totally agree with the caller. The The pandemic really blew up so much of the way, so much of our conventional wisdom about the way work gets done or should get done um, with this, you know, with our great remote work experiment that continues. Um, but we're also seeing, you know, what, what we also saw in the pandemic was a lot of burnout among workers. Um, the pandem- pandemic and pandemic working conditions were incredibly stressful for a lot of people. And and that also has galvanized a lot of employers to think about, well, how, what can we do to keep our workforce going, to sustain our workforce and, and find new ways to appeal to prospective candidates? And, and, and that is one reason why you're seeing this, this um, renewed interest in a, in a four-day work week also here in the U.S. Um, I'd also agree with the caller, what he said about leaders. Um, it's very much about the, the tone and, and the, 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 the culture that, the, that bosses set for workers at their companies. I would say the biggest hurdle to implementing a four-day four work week at a lot of companies is simply you know, our culture in America where we still equate long working hours with, with successful careers and, and successful working. Jennifer in Manhattan, you're on WNYC. Hi, Jennifer. Yes, good morning, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. And along that trajectory, I just think this is a natural kind of evolutionary process in the reevaluation of what constitutes good work. I mean, I think for those of us who've done consulting or freelance work, we recognize that, you know, quality work should be evaluated in terms of do you get the work done on time? And, you know, again, is it quality work? Does it have to be measured in terms of hours put in? Because actually, you know, efficiency should be a mark of good work. And we don't have to be in an office to do that. And we don't have to, you know, put in a certain number of hours. And I think, again, the pandemic has underscored a reconfiguration of how we define quality work. Interesting, Jennifer. Thank you. Vanessa, should the Wall Street Journal's laid-back weekend editions go to three days a week? Should our radio <laughs> station air weekly feature programs three days per weekend and cut back shows like mine to four days? Uh, that would be an interesting experiment. Um, <laughs> I worked on my day off to write the story, so I don't know what the irony is <laughs> around that. Um but um, to, to your initial question there, I, I do think there is certainly the risk, as there always is, that um, you see companies try to, if, if they really want to embrace this, use it as a way really more to improve productivity as opposed to improve employee well-being. But um, for now, the, the real interest among employers um, and here in the U.S. as well is motivated by 
wanting to, it, much like remote work, use this as a tool, a perk that, um, that could attract workers. Um, and and you, you see it especially among smaller employee, employers. Um, larger employers, I think the, the jury is still out whether this could, be, this could work in a more complex organization. But mm. say if a smaller company is able to offer this um, and, and compete on that basis versus a larger comp- competitor, that, that could be really interesting. Really interesting. Well, thank you both for a really interesting conversation and maybe important. We'll see how this catches on. Thanks for the study. Neve and Vanessa, thanks for your reporting in the journal. Thank you very much. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.